Welcome to the Top Advisor Podcast, brought to you by Proud Mouse Pod Rocket Academy. I'm your host, Bill Cates, creator of the Cates Academy for Relationship Marketing. In each episode, I interview one of our industry's top performers, getting them to pass on their secrets to success to you so that you can impact more lives and generate more income. Now, on to the show. Well, welcome. Before we get going, I want to let you know about some free resources that I invite you to retrieve after you've listened to today's interview. You'll find checklists, guides, videos, other tools. Just simply go to referralcoach.com forward slash resources. Now write this down unless you're driving. Referralcoach.com forward slash resources. While you're there, make sure you sign up for our weekly tips where we're sharing best practices. We'll notify you when our next podcast interview goes live. And while these are free to you, I think you'll find them quite valuable. Now on with today's show. You know, the concept of helping your clients leave a legacy is nothing new to you. Some advisors spend more time and energy on this topic than others. And I'll venture to say that today's featured guest has probably spent more time developing and helping his clients implement their own legacy systems than most advisors have. This is one of the reasons he's been so successful, gets a ton of referrals and introductions, based on how he helps his clients get clear on what type of legacy they want to leave. And then, of course, how to do that. You know, most every human will leave some sort of legacy when they depart this world. Some of us humans leave legacies that are intentional and well thought out. Others give this concept very little thought, kind of letting the chips fall where they may. Certainly, if you want to provide your clients with the best possible planning, experience and results, and helping your prospects and clients place their attention on and energy on their legacy is something you'll want to build into your all three phases of your relationships, the prospect experience, the onboarding experience, and then the ongoing client experience. Randy Jones, my featured guest, is based in Reston, Virginia, just west of Washington, D.C. To say his path to this profession is interesting would be an understatement. Frequent listeners to this show know that I don't always ask my guests to share their career entry stories, but today will be an exception. So, Randy Jones, welcome to Top Advisor Podcast. Hey, Bill. Thanks a lot for inviting me. I'm really excited to share my story, answer your questions, and really give our viewers and listeners you know, some great information. I, I know you will, and, and that's what this is all about Uh so as I mentioned in the introduction, your road to success in this business started out, shall we say, a little bumpy. Uh, just tell the folks a little bit uh, about your journey into this world. Well, I mean, I guess more than 30 years ago, uh, I used to be a combat medic in the military and a nurse in a VA hospital. And, 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 and I remember years ago, one of our instructors saying to us, hey, students, let me tell you about medicine. Uh, it is not designed to heal you. It is designed to sustain you. And I thought that was really crazy. But over the years, you know, starting out, you know, as a, an assistant in a mortgage company, eventually, you know, working at different title companies and starting my own companies, the information about finance, I realized and my experience has shown me that it has been um, the information about finance is not designed to create financial freedom, but more financial maintenance, just enough to keep us going. I hmm. think early in my career, I had one understanding of what I wanted to become and what I wanted to be. And, you know, 
I think when I first became an advisor, I talked to my accountant and she said, you know, I think you're going to be a great advisor, especially for business owners. I said, why? She said, because you really did bad with business the first 10 years. You learned a lot of life <laughs> lessons and mistakes. <laughs> and so, <laughs> Well, that that's how we get wisdom is by making bad, mis making mistakes is how we get good at what we do. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> well, that's cool. So, um, Let's let's dig into your work with clients uh, uh, around legacy. Um, first, I, I'd like to read a short piece from your website, uh, and ha and and have us go deeper on that. I, I really uh -huh. like this, and I just thought this was uh, a good place to start. So you write, uh, every person I meet has a financial advisor of some sort from some background. They give they give advice like puzzle pieces. And then you have to figure out how all the pieces fit together to create the big picture called your life. I've been in the finance industry for 26 years as a wealth management advisor at a financial services company. I have access to all the same products and all the programs as any other financial advisor, but that's not why people come to me. They come to me for a plan. My plans are not in a leather bound book that you put on a shelf in hopes of reading someday, I have one of those, by the way, they have <laughs> plans that you can live and they change and they grow with you and your family. Uh, I, I think this is great because uh, I know that a lot of advisors will do a plan and the plan does just sit. It's not a living, breathing document. Some do. Some will bring it to every meeting, but a mm. lot of them don't. So uh, did you always work this way? This idea of, of having this living plan and, and being the well, I guess a little more holistic and putting all the puzzle pieces together, or did you evolve into that? I think I evolved into it. When you first become an advisor, they teach you some of the fundamentals of talking to people about their retirement goals, their life goals, and things like that. And I started to think about the industry as a whole and my involvement in it. And I was thinking, you know, I got all the same products and tools as everybody else. As a matter of fact, I should make this commercial. I often tell people, if you think about it, your money like a hammer, I'm like, hey, hey, Bill, how'd your hammer do last um, quarter? You're like, oh, shucks, I got two more hammers. Hey, um, Sue, how'd your hammer do this quarter? Oh, I lost two hammers and I picked up three. Everybody's got a hammer called money, but they're not building anything with it. And so a lot of times my clients would come to me and they had a toolbox full of tools and products and programs. And they were just like, you know, I do this on a day to day basis, but I want to know how is all this stuff that everybody's telling me I should use to better my life and company? How do I make it all work together? And so I realized people didn't want another product from me. They wanted a plan of how all the stuff called advice that everybody else has been giving them works together to truly make the big picture called their life. And so I said, how about I focus on that? How about we begin with the end in mind? Because on our last day here, it is not our money that we're going to be talking about. It's going to be the difference we made in one person's life or another and who made a difference in our life. And so I took that approach and it seems to be resonating with people because they're saying they're not having a conversation about the other assets in their life outside of their money. Hmm. So... I love the tool analogy. When I first, when you first said hammer, I thought you were going to say, how's your hammer doing? Well, I, you know, hit a couple more nails, but <laughs> actually <laughs> a little different metaphor is that you have all these tools and what are you building? Right. And I suspect if you say that to some people, they'll say, well, what do you mean? Yeah. And what am I building? Right. And, and, and that takes us to this concept of, of legacy. Right. Um, so, You've created what you name the legacy system. 
Uh, let's talk a little bit about why you created this and, and then I'll have you describe the system and the processes uh, you put people through. So first of all, let's start with why, why focus on legacy and why call it the legacy system? Um, I have an uncommon way of talking about the common things that people talk about. You hear all the time, generational wealth, leaving a legacy. I mean, it's like a buzzword on every commercial, TikTok, something on social media. And everybody typically agrees with it. But most people haven't talked about the how. I often will tell people financial planning is not a product. It is a process. Yes. It's not like insurance is going to save your life. Investments is going to save your life. It's like, you know, how do we make them all work together? And truly, when people talk about leaving a legacy or creating generational wealth, they want to know, I think about it, Bill, if you, you got kids who want to take over your job someday, they'd have to intern into it. So when I talked to my clients, I said, now that we're in the family business of creating generational wealth, what is going to be the process for your family? They say, I go before you to prepare a place. So that means we have an obligation to create a path for others to follow. What does that path look like other than, hey, my dad left me $100,000 or a million dollars. And he said, you know, do well with it. Don't spend it in all in one place. Make it grow. But how do you do that? How does a person do that? So over the last 11 and a half years, we've built the how of not just how to create generational wealth, and how to transfer that wealth and then how to main that wealth from one generation to the next. And how do we make that process repeatable so that all those heirs, causes, belief systems and our family members that come behind us, how do they turn the million dollars we leave into three and the three into five and so on? So that's what that is. You know, I, I've talked to a lot <laughs> of advisors over the years, coaching, interviewing, and I can't say that I've heard many people talk about it in the way you do. And that's one reason I wanted you on this, this show is because you come with a, a much bigger perspective than what a lot of people come with. You're, you're thinking future generations. And we know that not everyone has always had the opportunity to do that. A lot of families or individuals grow up not even thinking about that because they didn't have any legacy come to them. And so they don't think in terms of legacy themselves because they didn't experience, right? So how do people react when you talk to them about this? Uh, or, or do they already know this about you because they've been referred to you? And that's how people describe the work that you do uh, to others. Um, they say discovery is looking at the same thing that everybody else is looking at, but seeing something different. I see the answer to the questions that people actually don't ask me. Like they come to me and say, hey, can you help me with my investments or my retirement? Mm -hmm. Or people will come and say, I'd like to invest. And I say, why? And they sort of pause. Or like, you know, I'd like my money to work for me. I'm like, okay, but why? And they pause again. I guess to have more money. I said, okay, so now you got more money. Now what? Why do you want more money? I think most advisors are just sort of like swatting at the leaves versus dealing with the root of the problem of this situation. And so when I would have conversations with people, you know, it's really we start off where they are and I ask them a lot of questions. They say the person, you know, who has the best question controls the conversation. And I really want to understand why are we doing this? How do we put your purpose before your profit, so to speak, in a way that makes a difference? And typically when I talk to people, I say I make them aware of what they really the question that they really wanted to ask me to help them solve or answer is um, if money weren't an issue, 
How could they take care of themselves and what would they do for someone else? I often um, pose this question to my clients in the very beginning. Say that you woke up this morning and you had an extra one to three million dollars in the bank, not obligated to anything or anyone, not even taxes. What would today be like? And they sort of pause and they smile and they lean back. And I say, how about I help you answer that question? More people have money more as an obstacle than they do as an asset. What I do is identify the path that they're already on and I remove the obstacles that money creates. That when you said, if it weren't mm. for the money, I would help my kids. If it weren't for my, the money, I'd help my parents. If it weren't for the money, I'd help my community. If it weren't mm. for the money, I remove that obstacle so you can truly be who you were put here to be. So you really help people figure out what money means to them. Uh and and what they want to do with it what else is important to them in their life uh, uh, sort of think about it bill okay i truly tell people most advisors talk about one asset we got four assets think about it you got your physical assets this is your health and well-being your ability to take care of yourself and your family contribute to your community your intellectual assets, the things you learn, the things you teach, your memories, your experiences, your ethical, some people even say your spiritual assets, your belief system, your moral compass, how you make decisions, but more importantly, why you make decisions. And then you got your material assets, bank accounts, investments, real estate, businesses. I ask all of my clients the same question. If you had a choice and could only keep three, which one would you give up? And what do you think they tell me? Which one would you give up? Yeah. Oh, uh, probably their assets, the, uh, the physical, uh, the, the, uh, the, the money side yeah. The material. Yeah. So it's truly not help with mm. their money that they want me down. They want me to help them grow the other assets. And so mm. I just align their money and say, okay, here's how we're going to grow the important things that you do. I think. And so we have a bigger discussion. Truly. When I work with my clients, we transition from the, the conversation about your money. Think about your money being like, and I'm going to give you an example, being the engine of your car. This morning when you went wherever, you didn't go and pop the hood first, check the water, check the belt, check the battery, check the fluid, check the oil, and then put the hood down. And most people do that. They keep their head under the hood of their car and they put the hood down there, advise the leaves off, and they go get back in their house. And the neighbor says, man, they never drive that car anywhere. I asked, <laughs> where are we going? <laughs> That's the question I asked. Yeah. Where are we going? What are you building? And then... And then linking it not just to them, but also to future generations. Yeah, I teach them how. Everybody says, I didn't grow up with money. We didn't talk about money. I said, okay, I'm going to teach you how to have a conversation about money with your family in a mm. way that it's empowering versus feeling like you're being invasive or giving right. up your privacy. Right, right. Not, certainly not a scarcity mentality at all. Truly. Um, so in in a this is great and this is an approach that I, I rarely hear from advisors. Uh, they they play around it, but they don't get to the point of the legacy part. I think so. In about a minute, I I want you to describe a few key elements or parts of your legacy system, how you implement this with your clients. Mm -hmm. But first, uh, let's take a brief pause to listen to a word from our sponsor, Pod Rocket Influence Academy, brought to you by Proudmouth. First, they make this podcast possible. And their core business is helping financial advisors accelerate their influence through marketing activities like podcasting. This podcast is sponsored by Proudmouth, the influence accelerators. Proudmouth. If you're like our clients, you want to spend more time educating people and less time selling. That's why we turn Main Street experts like you into trusted mainstream authorities. 
We help you amplify your influence over a growing audience of magnetically attracted fans who will chase you down instead. Visit ProudMouth.com to learn more. Be your own loud. I need to take about 45, 60 seconds to let you know about our newest, even better than before, Academy for Relationship Marketing. It's now online and waiting to help you move from incremental growth to exponential growth with right fit ideal clients. When you go to the Cates Academy, you'll see four leading edge state of the art courses. Course one is about communicating your value more effectively, which is pretty fundamental to our success. Course two is about how to become more referable to create unsolicited referrals. Course three is about how to be truly proactive without looking like that cheesy, creepy referral guy that so many people are afraid to look like, and I don't blame them. Uh, and then course four is about securing the introduction, the connection, because these days uh, that's so important now is because it's so hard to reach people. So much I could tell you about the Academy, but I want to get back to our inter interview. So simply head over to thecatesacademy.com. That's thecatesacademy.com. And make sure you use the coupon code TCA200, the Cates Academy, TCA200, to save $200 off of your investment. So now back to my conversation with Randy Jones. Uh, I'm going to start calling him the, the legacy guy. Uh, <laughs> as promised, Randy, uh, provide us with a few of the components of the legacy system. Tell us a little bit about the process that you bring to your clients, what they experience in working with you. I, in the very beginning, I often will say the difference between wealthy people and everyday people actually isn't their money. It is just the way that they think about their money. Mm -hmm. So what I do is not complicated, but it is really hard because it requires you to change the way that you think. Now, most people tell me, oh, yeah, I'm open minded. I'm open to new ideas and so on and so. But when we really get into it, it's a little bit challenging. So I often will say when it comes to financial planning, I spend the majority of my time simplifying complexity. Everybody's financial plan is this. We use income to build assets to later replace income. Because when you're not working, the assets that you have become your paycheck. Retirement is not about how much money you have. It's about how much income it produces. Mm. But often you would even see in my logo, it says wealth is hidden in the words that define it. You know, when I would ask people about what's your income, they tell me their salary or they tell me their revenue. So first I say, well, your income is what's after after you pay for your life or what you pay for your company to run. And what's left is what we build assets with. So some of the components are how do we maximize the income that is coming from your life and coming from your um, company that is otherwise being blocked by unnecessary fees, taxes, risk and lost um, opportunities? Mm. How do we close the gaps in all the advice that you have? We look at what everybody's telling you should do, and I see where you have multiple dollars doing one job, and then one dollar, I'll say, hey, we're going to start to teach it how to do multiple jobs. Because all the money that you really have is all the money that you really have. There are only two things that comes there. I said, here's how we're going to build your plan on two factors that you can control, your savings rate and then where you put your money. Hmm. So I think what I do is I give people clarity around where their money is. Most people think that they're diversified, but they're really just dispersed. They got all their money spread out so many <laughs> different places. You know, it's sort of like, you know, if you threw a $20 broken up into your closet, I say, find the money, you patent pockets. <laughs> it's diversified. I got some under the mattress. I got some right. in my glove compartment. Uh, <laughs> interesting. 
Keep so, going. <laughs> so, so really what we do, we, we first have a conversation about where you want to go. Right. I mean, if you want to go to Miami next week, you know when you're going to leave, what plane, what you're going to do and everything. I said, so where, do, where are we going? Because if we don't have a destination, any path can get us there. So we define that first. And then I look at, okay, so what are you currently doing? Is what you're currently doing, you know, if you got your foot on the brake and the gas and you're still sitting in your driveway, you know, but you never even turn the key on. I mean, really, is it getting you where you want to go? And so then I say, let's remove all of the things that people are telling you to do and really focus on the basics of what you really want to do. There are more people chasing rich versus pursuing wealth. They look really similar, but they're on polar opposite sides. So I help people first redefine their language, figure out the goals that they want to do. We start to look at the advice that's been given to them. And we start to reorganize that and say, okay, you got this thing on the left-hand side doing the same thing that's on the right-hand side. Let's pick one and save the money from there and reposition it somewhere else. You remember that game that we had when we were kids? It was like a it had a square and it had one slot open. And you're putting all the numbers in order. Every time mm. I move a dollar from one place in your life, another dollar takes its place. And so every mm. dollar that we move is attached to every other dollar. So mm. it is not like it's an independent system. It's a complete system. And then when we get your money into a system, then we talk about the time you had. Because most people are spending 95% of their time focused on their money. But when we talk about dreams and goals and things like that, the one thing that people need outside of money is time. So when I put your money into a system, then you have the time to live the life that you want. And then I teach you a banking system of how do we siphon the income off of your, um, you know, your life and your business so that we can truly grow the assets, you know, to do it. And how do we repeat that? And how do you teach your kids, you mm -hmm. know, from when they're small to, you know, when they're your age, even though they may not even follow in your pathway. So I sort of give my clients a one sheet GPS thing at each stage. Our planning process is, you know, eight stages long from goals and doing assessments and, you know, assessing their risk, teaching them how to better spend their way to wealth. Because people say you can't spend your way to wealth. I say, yes, you can. I'll show you. How do we maximize your savings so that we can properly accumulate? What does it look like when you spend your money? Most advisors wait till you're close to retirement. Hey, I don't want to wait till we get close to retirement to find out, oh, that number didn't work. I didn't carry the one, you know? And then how does it look after your money's in a system? How do we help you answer the question? If money weren't an issue, what would you do for someone else? I truly believe that we're here for the benefit of others. Otherwise, I don't know why we're here. Hmm. I don't know. Did I answer the question or did I just do a bunch? No, of no you, you did. And I but I got some more questions, yeah. uh, <laughs> which is good. So um, I don't want to start with it. You, you made a statement that I've not quite heard before, I think. And, and, and the difference between being rich and being wealthy. Yeah. Outstanding. Rich is flashy. Rich is exciting. Rich is something that you can talk about over a conversation at a cookout. Wealthy is born. As a matter of fact, everybody has the same definition of wealth or the same story of wealth. Even when they come to me, you got the same one too. You've even told it. It's this guy. He drives this beat up pickup truck. He's got these torn jeans or overalls. You know, you see him, he's real nice and quiet. And everybody says, you never know he's a millionaire. You can't even post that on TikTok and get any views on that. As one of my clients said, he says, there's no story to tell. I said, I know. Wealth is no story to tell. Why do you hear about, you rarely hear what the wealthy are doing. You hear what the rich are doing all the time because rich is flashy. Rich is, you know, different cryptos and things like that. And the the, the hottest, latest thing that makes people sort of chase their tail. 
Would you, would you also say that um, in terms of thinking about legacy and multiple generations, the wealthy think in those terms, the rich probably don't? Um, I think they both think in those terms. Mm-hmm. I often would tell my clients, actually, the more you learn about money, the further you move away from the truth of it, because the medicine is not designed to heal you or create financial freedom. It's designed to create financial maintenance. So I think they do both think about it, but their approach to it is totally different. Here's the thing. Warren Buffett tells you exactly how he invests and everybody would like to invest like him, but they just cannot mentally do it. And one of his shareholder um, uh, uh, letters that he said to Berkshire Hathaway, he said, Berkshire Hathaway sits on a large cash reserve waiting for the market to drop. All he does is sit back and watch <laughs> and wait and do it. They, everybody knows it's counterintuitive. That's the difference between rich and wealthy. Here's an example. We know we should buy stocks low and sell them high. But let me give you an analogy. That's, that's counterintuitive to the way people really think. Mahone won the Super Bowl. And the next year, they trade him. Everybody would be like, that's crazy. Well, aren't we selling him high? No, let's ride him out till he's low. Oh, well, he's low. He, he got injuries. Now we sell him. Now we're selling him low. But that's exactly <laughs> what we do. A poor guy. Right. Uh, I'm not, he's a great guy. But I'm just saying that's how people think. They know what they should do. But it just doesn't feel right when it comes time to doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, you said a, a couple other things I want to hit on. Um, one is, and you're right. A lot of advisors, when I work with them, help them with their value prop, whatever, they talk about. Yeah, we're looking for people that are five to seven years out from retirement. Yeah, but isn't that too late? Ah, uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I mean, but why I, do you think they do that, and why shouldn't they do that? Or if that makes um, sense. You know, for years, I struggled who my ideal client was, mm -hmm, who was mm -hmm. going to be. Because mm -hmm. So think about it. Like you have some advisors say, hey, you need to have a million dollars of investable assets or you have to have mm -hmm. a certain household income. All right. Mm -hmm. So I had a client worth eight million dollars, made a million dollars a year. Kid graduated from um, uh, grad school, has no money. He says, hey. You've helped me out so much. Can you help my kid who got out of grad school? And what am I supposed to say? Yeah, no, your kid doesn't make enough money. Someday when he has your money, I'll help him then. So <laughs> I think people try to put, you know, this industry is highly regulated with so many compliant things. You got to say, you know, you can't afford to not get paid your value and to help people that will help you continue to grow your practice at the same time you're helping them. A friend of mine said, hey, man, everybody's not going to get on your arc. God didn't ask for three camels. All right. So he said, you got to, you got to <laughs> figure out who's going to be on there. So I, I think um, some advisors, they go with the metric thing from, you know, so many years from retirement because you might have sizable assets that they can work with now. I mean, some people like millennials because they think different, but they may not have a lot of assets, but they might have a lot of upside potential. It just depends. For me, my clients are broken into three phases. One who has a desire for greatness more so than money has the ability to think differently when it comes to about their finances and then be able to have the ability to take action immediately. So I think it's mindset, aptitude, and then ability, you know? Right. Right. And then helping with the children teach or teaching your clients um, about leaving a legacy and, and, and creating that generational wealth. Give us a right. little bit of that. What are some of the things you tell them, uh, about creating that generational wealth? I think, you know, a common thing that I have with clients is that they say they, you know, if they receive an inheritance 
uh, you know, they sort of get caught off guard. That's why people who get the lottery, they're like, you know, everybody would like them to have a million dollars. And if I show up with a bag and drop it off on your table, here's a million dollars. You sort of freak out for a second. You're like, my whole life I've wanted this. Now I've got it. I've never thought about what I would really do with it outside of spend it, you know? Yeah. And, and a lot so of, a lot of, uh, bankrupt, a lot of, a lot of winners end up in bankruptcy. Very fast. At a very high percentage. Yeah. Very fast. And so I think talking to your kids in the very beginning hmm. about the value of money um, or how it adds to their values, what your family stands for, and how do we use money to enhance the values that we do? I often tell my clients, how do I help you assess your values before we value your assets? What does it mean? And so if you start to put purpose behind it in your kids, you know, and even talk about it so that someday if you leave them a million dollars, they're not caught off guard and they automatically like, oh, my God, I'm rich. I'm going to buy cars and so and so and everything until I'm broke type scenario. You know, they see it as a responsibility. My kids, when I talked to them when they were very young, I talked to them about not just hard work, but smart work. I talked to them about, you know, what a lot of people do where I made a lot of mistakes. And I think those are going to be the best things that, um, you know, you can start to have those conversations with your kids and tell them, you know, teach them how not to listen to all of the noise that's out there. Mm. You know, I often would say, because I manage millions of dollars, but I do say to clients, I say, look, let me tell you the truth. If Wall Street knew what to do with your money, why would they need your money? Why wouldn't they just manage their own money? And some people say, are you anti-investing right now? Like, no, but I am pro-truth. <laughs> so <laughs> if you can think about it differently, then you can have more control over what you do with your money and how do you use that hammer to build something. You have something you call a family constitution. What's that? I think it's a guideline. We need to have a blueprint. You know, when I work with my clients in the legacy system, one of the things that we do is we help them create their family vision statement. Mm. Because some at some point, you know, the parents who started won't be around to remind them the whys. We'll have a lot of system and products in place of the, the what's in the house, but the whys have to be the governing. And the family constitution also talks about, you know, in the bylaws and everything, what do we do um, if everything goes wrong? I mean, I often will tell people financial planning is not designed for everything to go right, because if everything went right, you don't need a plan. Just keep on living and smiling and telling everybody <laughs> thumbs up. It's really designed is if, if everything goes wrong, do I have a plan that allows me to live the life that I've always wanted to live? Mm -hmm. And so a family constitution and its bylaws talks about when we have conflict in the family, when we have disagreements in the family, because if you think your family is going to get along all the time, then you already fail. What do we do when everybody forgets why our parents and our grandparents started something? How do we go back to the beginning, get back on track? And keep this thing going. And what are the pro provisions and, you know, uh, regulations? How do the family, as it grows, how do we govern it? How do we govern this thing? I mean, the Rothschilds did a very good job of it, you know. And so I, I model a lot of stuff around what they do as well, you know. As far as the family constitution is just some guidelines, some reminders. You can't make people do things, but you try to, if you start in the beginning and give them some guidelines, they at least have something to go back to when they get a little bit lost. I mean, it sounds like that's that's the glue of the uh, the legacy or the, the generational wealth, is it not? Where uh, just like our founding fathers created a constitution, none of us were alive then, but Theoretically, yeah. we're all doing our best to to preserve it. And uh, I say theoretically because lately it's been a little funky. But right. uh, uh, but right. anyway, it's the guiding truth, the guiding principles 
that we run our country that keeps our country together. So uh, when the people who were here and created it are long gone, that's the same thing for the family then, I guess, is it not for the next generation and the generation after that to keep that alive? Absolutely. And it is exactly what you said, according to the constitution, Mm. we do our best. There's never going to be any perfection in it. And I Mm. often tell people, Hey, even though we write these documents, even though I teach you how to have the conversation, things will go wrong. But if we got something, you know, that we can go back a fixed point in the ground, we could, Hey, when we lose our way, we can all just, Hey, let's meet at the big clock again. And we know we'll start over again. We could pick up from there. I think that helps families. And here's the other part of it too. They all came to me and said they never had this before. So when I give you something, I think over time, even with me, it has progressed. It has become better. It has become easier. And it does the same thing for every family that I help implement it with yeah. as well. Yeah. I would think that for, I mean, this, the way you talk about what you do for your clients, you're going to, over time, and you have started to attract people who are attracted by that concept, that message, that way of thinking. And uh, it probably gets easier for some folks, right? Because they've already heard a little bit about what you do. Yeah. You're a little different, right? And uh, uh, we tend to yeah, attract I, I, people. Yeah. At this point, my clients often refer to this. I have to figure out how to I don't know, incorporate this into it. They say, like, when I meet with you, Randy, it's like I'm taking the blue pill, like the Matrix. You know, and they're like, you know, I leave out of here. I mean, I come in here and everything that you says makes sense. But when I get out, it contradicts everything that I know. I said, I know that's the difference between rich and wealth. I said, but when I show it to you, I don't have to show you any pie charts, graphs or make you read white papers. I just ask you the questions that are on your mind, mm-hmm. you know, and then I say, well, why don't you do that? Everybody comes to me and, you know, when we first talk about their goals and stuff, the second meeting, they'll come back and say, we thought about it because I really get them to think big. They say, well, we don't need this and we don't think we need that. And I say, I'm not giving you a plan based on your needs. You're already meeting your needs. I'm giving Mm -hmm. you a plan based on what you want. What do you want your life to be? And I'll help you draw a plan Mm -hmm. to make that happen. I like that. I like that. Randy, with a short amount of time we have left, I'd like to, you to tell me and our listeners, of course, about a group that you formed. It's called the Synergy Consortium. What is it? Why did you create it? And maybe most importantly, how do you, the members, as well as your clients, benefit from this Synergy Consortium? You know, as you grow this, you know, I often say, I didn't choose this career, it chose me. You know, Mm -hmm. this is a purpose driven thing for me. You know, Mm -hmm. I really wanted to be extremely successful and I wanted to grow. I want to help a thousand families every year. Answer the question, if money weren't an issue, what would you do for someone else? And as you start to grow a practice like that, there are a lot of things that our clients need. And truly, I say outside of the two things that people need to achieve their goals, money and time. Now turn your money into a system which frees up your time. My clients actually start to achieve their goals and They get a little bit excited about it. And so then I had to start to build relationships and partnerships. And over time, I had to also explain to my partners, here is what I believe. And here is the story I'm telling my clients. And here's how they're responding. Is this something that resonates with you? And over time, we created synergy between one another. And I often would say um, our integrity is the highest form of loyalty. That is the baseline of the Synergy um, Consortium. 
You know, when my clients come in and we get it sort of like their facts and their information, who is it that they want to be? Where is it that they want to go? Then I sit down with my trust team and my tax team, my insurance team, my investment team and say, okay, we got Bill Cates here. He's a guy, so-and-so, family, this and that. Here's some of their goals and dreams. Trust, what are you going to do for him on this part? Insurance, what are you going to do for him on this part? Investments, what are you going to do on this front? And everybody comes together to put that big picture. Because when they first came to me, they were getting advice in silos. None of it was connected. Everybody was telling them what to do, like puzzle pieces, and you're getting home with no sides, no corners, and everything turned over, and it's not connecting. So it took it's taking a team now to help my clients. And as they achieve their goals, there are lots of things that they want to do because we move from a needs scenario to a want. And oftentimes I'll tell my clients, you know, retirement is not a destination. It's a graduation to the point of being able to do what you've been put here on purpose to do on purpose without the need to have to go to work. You may want to go to work, but at different places in your life, you're going to need more people. And I think probably the biggest part of what my team is excited about or my clients like the most is that we have our own succession plan because once you engage with us, my team is built in a way that as your family comes behind you, even though someday I won't be here, but the why I started this will be here and it will continue with your family just as it will continue with my family and other people as well. And that team believes in that and we all support that and we often meet to reinforce the fact that we are here for a purpose and we're doing it together. And these, this team, these are not necessarily people that are, they're not fellow employees. These are other financial professionals, like you said, yeah. insurance, trust, accounting, yeah, estate planning attorneys, folks like that. They're typically thought about in this industry, yeah. but it sounds like you have a, the group that you form is more than just a, well, clearly it's more than just a loose arrangement right. of people knowing each other right. right you you all bring your work to each other's clients right in this synergistic way which right. which is different i think it's great yeah i think the one thing about it that is consistent is that we've learned to tell the same story from our vantage point so if mm -hmm. you're sitting down with my you know one of my trust attorneys they're telling you how they're designing the trust strategies and so on and so to incorporate with what we've already built on something else that is probably the biggest thing that my client says. Everybody's always talked about, I'd like a team, you know, one place to go and get all the answers. And it's really hard because you got people with their own agendas and motives and things like that and their own way of running their business. That's why it took me a very long time to find the right people who, even though they run independent of me, when we come together, we look like we've been together the entire time. And there's never any cross communication, mixed messages and the clients feel like we're all together helping them go in the same direction that they originally wanted to go. I really like that. That's, that's great. My featured guest on today's show has been Randy Jones, wealth management advisor and creator of the legacy system uh, and founder, I could say of the synergy consortium. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Randy, thank you for being a great guest on today's show. Appreciate you. Hey, Bill, thanks for the opportunity to be a part of your show. Yeah, I appreciate yeah, you. You bet. I uh, loved it. So to you, the listener of this podcast, a uh, small favor. If you like this episode or a podcast in general, please leave a five-star review on the platform you're listening to the show. Not all platforms have a place for reviews, but if yours does, I'll be grateful. Thank you. Uh, if you haven't already, head over to referralcoach.com forward slash resources to sign up for our weekly tips 
access a ton of free guides and scripts. And, and don't forget about thekatesacademy.com, thekatesacademy.com, and uh, the uh, coupon code TCA200 to save $200. Uh, this is Bill Cates reminding you that ideas do not make you more successful. Only acting on those ideas will bring you the success you desire. Hey, thanks for stopping by. Thank you for listening to the Top Advisor Podcast, brought to you by Proud Mouse Pod Rocket Academy. I encourage you to visit my website, referralcoach.com, for links to my books, online courses, and to register for the Cates Academy.